0: This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Hop Nerd Podcast is brought to you by Hop University. At Hop University, we cut the bullshit out of human and organizational performance training. We were born out of necessity. We hear it all the time. Human and organizational performance courses are expensive and hard to find. Safety classes put me to sleep. Help. So we did. We offer on-demand, high-quality online courses in human and organizational performance, safety, and leadership, all led by seasoned safety and HOP practitioners. No need to schedule time for that conference. No need to track down the latest guru. And no stuffy classroom required. Join us today at HOPUniversity.org. That's H-O-P University dot O-R-G. <laughs> Hello! Howdy! Hi everybody, it is Sam Goodman, The Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of The Hop Nerd Podcast. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing great, no matter what neck of the woods you find yourselves in, in this wild and crazy time. I hope that you are surviving, I hope that you're thriving, and I hope that you are having an amazing day. Before we jump into this awesome episode, do me a favor, head over to the website www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on all things social media at The Hop Nerd, except for Twitter because it is super duper special or something. It's the hop nerd one. Send me an email, Sam at the hop or the hop nerd at gmail.com. Use that really cool phone number down below to shoot me a text, leave me a voicemail, all that kind of sort of stuff. Make sure you join us every Monday, Wednesday and Friday for our hop nerd live streams. You can find that on all things, social media, anywhere that you can find live streaming, you can pretty much find that. So do me a favor, head over, check that out. It is always appreciated. So today is an amazing episode, and it's so amazing that it's become two parts because we talked for like two hours because I didn't want to shut up. I just really enjoyed hanging out with these guys. It was phenomenal. So today we are joined by the one and the only Steve Harvey and Tony McConaughey. Make sure you turn this one up, you tune in, you hang out. You're going to like it. You're going to love it. You're going to have to have more of it. And you will, because there's a part two. So I'm going to shut up. Here we go. Let's start this conversation. That's where a lot of folks kind of struggle is they don't really know, okay, I want to go down this path, but how do I go down this path? It's scary for most organizations.
1: Sam, I hear that a lot,
0: right? But I know like I Mm -hmm. worked for a big zero harm organization.
1: Mm -hmm. And once I started discovering like safety differently, safety too, you know, like I I just started going in and changing the language that I was talking, you know, rather than and like talking about accidents and incidents, you know, just call them events, and then say, well, "Hey, what can we learn from these events?" You know, right. so it was pretty. I, I, we do hear that a lot. Oh, I'd love to do safety too, but my organization just won't support me. You know, just go ahead and do it yourself. Have a go at it. You know, that,
0: that that's what I found similar. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I got, uh, I grew up in that kind of zero zero harm, everything's preventable kind of cultures. And I was so burnt out, right? I was, I was so burnt out with kind of traditional safety, for lack of a better way to put it, that I just kind of jumped in and said, okay, I'm going to start doing things differently. And if they fire me, they fire me. <laughs> I'm totally, <laughs> totally good with it. <laughs> because if they don't fire me, I'm going to quit if I have to continue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, uh, what was really surprising to me is that it takes a little while, but I think really to your point is that you start having those conversations and you start changing. Uh, really the conversation just a little bit at a time. And for me, it was just, if I had the opportunity to speak, it's all that I talked about. I wouldn't shut up. And I mean, they were sick of hearing about hop and safety too. They were just tired of it because anytime that if I was tasked with, Hey, will you give us a message for this meeting? Sure. I would love to. Right. <laughs> and it was all around that. So I think it really lends to your point that it's that it's, it's really just starting that conversation. And I think you talk and talk and talk. And eventually you start to impact some of those mm-hmm. uh, underlying assumptions that the organization holds around human error and around some of those things. Once, once people start talking the same language, actually,
1: you know, that you're starting to get somewhere, you know, like I used to hear with some of the managers and supervisors, even now where, where we work just now, you know, if I hear them talking about, yeah, what can we learn? I'm like, yeah, you know, we're starting to, yeah. we're starting to get somewhere.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a huge part for me. Um, when, when I've seen organizations start to roll out learning teams in particular, uh, that's one thing that's been new for, for most of us, uh, at least over this way, the organizations I'm around, they're like, what, what's a learning team? Mm-hmm. Right? And then when you kind of start those conversations and you really point them in the direction of learning, you get them past, uh, really those, those really flawed assumptions around human error, because a lot of organizations I come to contact with initially, they have this assumption around human error that it's a choice that bad people do bad things. So if you were just better, you wouldn't hurt yourself or you wouldn't break this, you wouldn't have those problems. If you cared more, if you paid more attention, kind of the, the normal song and dance, right? Uh, and then once you kind of push them past that, and and I really think it is that, it's it's the learning piece. Once their eyes kind of open to learning they go, okay, we get that. Yep, somebody messed up. Duh, of course. Yep, yep, of course, right? There's an error there. I'm sure there is. But how do we actually learn? Once you get them into that space to, to what you were just saying about Okay, where's the learning? That seems like a magical spot to get to in an organization.
1: Yeah, it's nice to hear it. You know, when when you do when you do hear folk talking like what's the learning? I mean, I'm always pushing it. The, the guys are always sick of me going, right. What can we learn from this? What can we learn from that? You know, yeah. which, what can we do here? You know, what is a you know is an operational learning that we can take from this? You know, what can we create? Whereas a lot of times you'll just go, ah, uh, you know, ah, uh, he's just. Like it was just an error. It's just it was just an idiot. It's probably something that you'd hear a lot. But <laughs> thankfully, I think we're we definitely changing that conversation here. Yeah,
2: yeah we're, we're quite we're quite lucky where where we are just because of our our leader Kim, the health and safety manager. She she set course for the new world, the new view, probably two years ago now with our new health and safety strategy. So we we were really lucky to have full support. Agreement from the board, from our CEO, from our executive group that they wanted to change the way that we viewed field work and the way that we viewed human error. So we were really lucky that, um, we, we sat heavily in the blame and punish world. Um, you know, my role previously to this space was handing out those sea of disciplinary letters one after another, one after another. Right, right, you, you know, you, you, you go five kilometres over the speed limit, bad person, you're going to be punished. Right. <laughs> right, right. So you go, right. yeah, so we have sort of lived in this world of uh, we believe that was our way to improve. We want to improve and we're going to do that through viewing you as a problem to solve. And if we punish you, then you'll learn from it and get better for it. So it was really well intended at the time, but um, it really did get us absolutely nowhere culturally, and the gap between what we believed went on and what actually happened grew just bigger and bigger and bigger, and it became just a chasm. It was just the, you know, the size of the Grand Canyon. Um, so it was sort of we were in a really bad bad way culturally, and then um, yeah, we set this new strategy aligned with with safety too and safety differently, and I um. This is my first foray into health and safety. I've never, ever, ever dreamt of working in health and safety ever in my life based on the fact of what I've seen over the last twenty years in my career. So I'm just a I'm a HR change management guy. And uh it's never been of interest to me when I when I've looked across the the fence. Um and not for me, but Kim sort of set this new course. And um it's just unbelievable the, the impact that it has on the guys out there in the field. I absolutely love it. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And that's, that's what I think is amazing. You hit on a couple of things that I want to kind of pull into just a little bit. Um, you said you started this this journey a few years ago. So for folks out there that think that this stuff is super fast, what would you have to tell them?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Be patient. <laughs> uh, and, and just be consistent I would say you know it's like it's certainly it's not it's certainly not happening rapid pace pace here you know it's, it's like I was saying earlier Sam it's really around making sure you're talking the language you know being accessible and being available share as much information as you can you know share the the good little learnings that we get from like podcasts like yourself you know or, you know you just need to make sure that it's we are always it's it's always there, you know, it's always been talked around.
2: You got you gotta um chase your early adopters as well. Like we we were quite lucky that the executive of our operational group mm-hmm. absolutely bought right into it. And so we leveraged right. off him enormously. So um you gotta find out where they are and you do have your detractors around the place and that they mainly, funnily enough, don't really come from the people that do the work because the people that do the work Love this approach. Yeah. Um, they're generally yeah. already doing all this stuff. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah
1: they're, they're right. Here. Yeah,
2: they're already doing it. It's just the name is given it. and it's um actually quite difficult to um to move into the safety to change space because generally speaking, you are trying to get stuff out of the way, and human nature indicates if you remove something, what's going to go in in its place. So we've sort of been on the decluttering spree, um, which is really, really tricky at times. It's like walking through quicksand. Um, So just a a real struggle um, to get it through the, I guess, the change governance stuff.
0: Right. I, th- I think that there's a, that's a really interesting part the decluttering. And I think we'll, we'll definitely circle back to that one. That's, that's an interesting part that, or an interesting place I think organizations find themselves in because it's a really hard thing for most organizations. It seems like that, that seems to be really hard because in safety in particular, it seems like we can always, we always want to add to, but there's like this golden rule that we can never remove, hmm. right? We can always add to stuff, but if we take stuff away, it means we don't care, right? Yeah. So we can't we can't take stuff away, even if it makes complete sense, even if it's broken, even if it doesn't work, it's there, right? It doesn't seem like it's an easy thing the golden to bananas. do, right? 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 So uh, one thing that I was going to touch on too, from, from kind of a little bit of the, the the earlier part of that was. Um, I see a lot of organizations that are around the same that that really are they really reside heavily in that blame and kind of shame shoot and shame kind of culture where it's very heavily focused on fixing the individual that you know we're going to extract punishment against wrongdoers that violate the golden rules of the organization and and that's how we get where we want to go is if if we fix people um, in those days but before you went down this path what was reporting like. <laughs> uh, wait.
1: Well, banana skins were popular.
2: <laughs> no, reporting was um, indifferent. So we—I'll give you a couple examples. So we we rewarded people for high numbers of hazard reporting. Um, so we got absolute junk given back to us, and we we said, "Yay, that's fantastic! Here's a hundred-dollar gift card All right. um, for being the highest number." Then we were low in terms of finding out about the way that work actually got done, when people were injured. So we weren't really, we weren't finding out a true picture of the complexity of the work our, our guys were faced with. Uh, so there was a bit of, and particularly with our delivery partners as well. So mm-hmm. um, there was a sort of a gap there between what would be the system versus what was actually going on.
0: Wow. And then as you kind of went down this path and, and, and changed, um, what happened with those numbers? I would assume that they probably went up dramatically, right? You probably yeah, picked up a they, lot more instant injury, all kinds of, all kinds of reporting, I would assume. Yeah. So we
2: saw it. We saw a, um, an increase in low severity, um, incidents, um, but a decrease in, in high severity, um, incidents over time, but it, it did, it took, it, it took, it's taken really until the last few months, so a good eighteen months for the guys out in the field with the tools in their hand to actually um, believe and trust that the stick wasn't going to come back out.
1: Yeah,
2: totally. Right. So we do now. We do have that. We do have that trust now. It's really nice. Like we, we, we they believe that we're going to do the right thing with the information now. So yeah, get, it we, takes time, but it really yeah, we does. Get,
1: we get invited to see it now. You know, mm. people and say, hey, come on out and come and see what we're doing. And I'll be like, oh, is it a, a risky job? And they're like, no, 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 we're just come on out and just come and see us. And come and-. <laughs> Which for me is a massive win, honestly. That's, that's taken a long time for that time. So I'm pretty grateful to the guys for that. A
2: lot of, a lot of that um, was signalled at the start with the removal of the zero harm slogan. So we removed that with the start of our new health and safety strategy two years ago. Um, and we also went on a really, really lengthy change process to remove our golden rules. Um, so glad to say we've removed eight of our nine golden rules. We're just going through the last change piece around the golden rule on driving safely at the moment. Nice. So, um, so those golden rules had no substance behind them other than a right. sea of bullet points that we used to copy and paste into disciplinary letters. That was it. Yeah, more time in what you
0: can't do, yeah. what you can do. Yeah. It's so awesome to hear that because I, I still, I still interact with organizations to this point that are still trying to, they're going down this path and they're going, okay, what we really need right now is a set of golden rules. <laughs> and they're going, no, 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 please. No, 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 no. And, and obviously the obvious beef around golden rules, right? To me, and that's what I continue to share with them is, um, I come from organizations that have done the same. They're kind of scrapping their golden rules finally and getting away from a lot of the zero tolerance stuff, uh, and saying, you know, if you have that magical set of rules, number one, if you've got nine or 10 that you have to make special, you probably have too many rules, uh, right? I mean, it kind of back to the point of decluttering a little bit. And number two is if you're going to take those nine or 10 or five or whatever the organization comes up with, you know, those are the five things that we know can and will kill you and it hurts the entire time it's killing you type of thing and now we're going to create a culture of fear and silence around those things so we can't (laughs) learn back to the point of learning right it's like that just doesn't seem like a really good place to be blind right (laughs) i want to have i want that person to be able to come up and say listen i almost died in there and let me tell you how right that's that's a more that's a much better conversation than i'm not going to say anything because i don't want that disciplinary letter
1: yeah, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, totally. It still happens a lot. Thankfully, not here, but definitely not other organisations that I've partnered with over the years. I, I seem to remember a couple of years ago. i I worked in the labour hire industry, Sam. Um, so that's like the like the sort of on call workers. They get called mm-hmm. in and sort of they do like a couple of shifts or whatever. And I always remember mm-hmm. one guy. He walked under a suspended load, and they were going to sack him. And I was like, well like why he's like oh because he walked under this like he shouldn't have walked under that load and i'm like hey eh? like did they know it was our barriers and then right away they started going oh, <laughs> 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 oh no they don't think there was and I said, well, how can you like how can you remove this guy from sight if right. if you've not got like there might be a golden rule in place but you're not sort of preaching it you know like let's put the golden
0: controls instead it, they, there you go. I love that. There's, it's really interesting. To me, the problem is, is that when you, when you take the zero tolerance approach, you're basically saying context doesn't matter, right? It do, it doesn't matter how you found yourself in that situation of breaking that magical rule that we don't care. And that just seems kind of dumb. Yeah. Right. Because context is really important, right? Mm-hmm. To your point, got where's the barriers? What, what, what actually led up this? What's the, what was the context that surrounded this? That's way more interesting than the violation anyways. Yeah, you're totally right. right mate. there's
1: one another thing that I sort of do practically, which might help people is, again, when I worked in labour hire, there was events happening every single day. You know, people were getting hurt every single day because we had like a couple of thousand people across multiple sites. So rather than me saying to injured workers, right, I need a statement from you. You know how you get, you know, you feel like a cop, right? I need, yeah. a, statement. <laughs> I need a statement from you. You would get two lines back or I injured my back. So I started going in and saying, look, tell me the story of the job. Let's talk about the story. And I tell you, I would capture absolute gold from that. And it's something I still do now, even even here. You know, I still go in and talk to the guys and say, tell me the story of the job. You know, before it happened, you know, when it happened, and then after it happened. And there's just so much gold there. Yeah
0: that's such a magical question and it really is uh i'd got the opportunity uh, a couple months back to hang out with uh, todd conklin a little bit uh-huh. and that's a lot of what he was sharing with us was that was was you know we were talking about reactions right and we were something that i kind of shared um in and shamelessly steal and continue to share from Todd is this is, you know, you need to tell your leaders what they should do different around reactions, Mm -hmm. right? And even something as simple as give them a little script of how to react is not necessarily a bad idea, right? Uh, And a lot of the conversation he was having was make sure that they're asking the question of tell me the story of how right and it's it's to your it's to your point it's very similar right tell me the story of the job tell me the story of how don't tell me that yeah okay i get that you know if if you pull this lever this lever and this blows up because of that that all makes sense to me that's the most boring part yeah, yeah, totally. tell me of all the stuff that surrounded that right yeah of course uh, you you put two trains moving at each other on the wrong track and they hit each other and there's a fiery explosion. Of course, of course, that's what's going to happen, right? Tell me the story of what surrounded that. What was the before, the daring, how do we find ourselves in that position? So again, it's back to um, being curious about the more interesting parts, right? Trying to mm-hmm. find the actual learning in that. Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, you
0: know, once you capture the
1: story, you might not actually, but like I had an event just recently where we couldn't work out what had happened but when we took a dive into it and then sort of just collected some of the details from the guys, we were actually able to go, oh, geez, you know what, that could have contributed, you know, that could have contributed that. You know That, that was a condition that maybe could have done this. And it sort of gave us more to work with, you know, rather than just, uh yeah, oh, I fell over. Right. You know, that's something, right. like, we get that a lot. It's the one, it's the
2: one thing we had to over the last couple of years is how do we curtail and condense all of the stories and learnings that we get from our learning teams. So we get a whole bunch of amazingly rich stories that um, we've gotten a, a little bit better at, but we've still got some way to go in terms of how do we make sense of this? What can the company afford to to change off the back of these learnings and these stories that we find out? So, the learning teams have been just, from my perspective, an incredible success. We moved away from ICAM and Taproot investigations um, for health and safety investigations anyway. So right. um, investigations outside of health and safety still we undertake and use Taproot, um, but health and safety investigations, we adopted this learning two years ago and um, it has been so rewarding for the guys that do the work. Like they experience the same thing whether we're doing a post-job review, whether we're um, reviewing uh, an event or whether we're just reviewing normal work. It is the same experience for the guy and his PPE to come in and have that chat. And that's a nice thing for them to experience that was different to what it was previously. So uh, that's been a nice little yeah. win for us, this learning team approach.
1: Yeah, just like you with us in the safety team, I, I, I will quite often say, well, this is the least interesting part of the event. What I want to know is, you know, what led up to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's it. F- finding what surrounded the event at the time is so much more interesting. You know, organizations get so, so focused in on the outcome, right? The outcome seems like it's interesting. It it pretends to be interesting, especially when it's big and bad and, and not great, Right. It seems like the right place to focus. Uh, And, you know, here we do it all the time because we're still heavily driven by, is it an OSHA recordable? Is it an OSHA lost time injury? That influences the level of investigation that most organizations perform on stuff here stateside. Is okay. If it's an OSHA recordable, it's super, super bad. Even if, you know, you bend over to pick up a sugar packet off the ground and you throw your back out, that's just as bad as any other thing that would be, that's just as bad as getting 47 sutures. right? Yeah. yeah, right. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so much of it is, is getting past what the actual outcome is, I think. Right. And, and acknowledging the complexity of it. So you, we've heard so much of that. Uh, RCAs taproot, that kind of stuff is still a standard in a lot of organizations. Um, and I've people that listen to me know that my beef with taproot and all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's, We're trying to take something that's so complex – complexity, which by definition is nonlinear – and trying to put it into something linear so we can make it very simple and easy to explain and fix one or a few small little root causes to prevent reoccurrence is what we've kind of historically said – uh, and that's why I really love the learning team models because we just kind of just say, hey, this stuff is complex. We'll let it take it wherever it takes us. We'll fill up the wall full of post-it notes and really start to understand the blue line and figure out how work normally happens and yeah. learn from that. And even if we don't get to a root cause or something like that, we're fixing a lot of really cool stuff. One thing I'd be really interested to hear from you guys is, you know, with with a lot of learning teams happening, with that kind of stuff happening – um, how do you retain that? How do you share that? Do you? I mean, what, how do you get those stories around in your organization? So that's, that's still a bit of a challenge
1: for us, um, You know, uh, like we, do, we do like operational learning, you know, mm-hmm. but they're created like in an A4 sheet of paper and they're distributed at the toolbox talks and things like that. Um, yeah. we would, I would like to try and distribute that in another way. We've sort of just started dabbling and making videos as well. And I'm sort of thinking that's probably the next step for us. Maybe we can share it on like an internal sort of intranet, you know, and talk about an event. So we're still having, still having little challenges in that space, but you know. Mm-hmm. That's
0: what we do. Well, right that, that's honestly why I. Well, that's honestly why I ask because I don't know. Right? <laughs> it seems like a lot of the organizations that I that I talk to are, have the same kind of thing. Right? Where it's going. That's the part where we're all trying to figure out. So um, I've seen a couple organizations going down like an app driven. Kind of mm-hmm. passed yeah. And then I've, I've I've seen the the video route be pretty successful. I can't think uh, who it is. It's a it's a power utility here. I think somewhere in the southeast. I'd seen some stuff shared with me uh, where basically they were just doing like selfie cell phone videos and yeah, then just yeah, yeah. uploading Absolutely. it, and spreading it around. I'm like, that's cool. I like that. I like that kind of yeah, kind of guerrilla cool. media <laughs> kind of stuff. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean I
1: thought, like I said, Microsoft Teams. Tony, will t- tell you about this. I'm, I really got excited about Microsoft Teams. And what our guys are doing is they they work. There's basically 10 teams here in this organization. So each team has a name. And I've noticed that the teams are actually putting themselves in a group on the Microsoft Teams suite. So I've managed to get myself onto a couple of those. So I think what I might start doing is dropping notes into that so that the the lads Mm -hmm. can read it and they can see it. So if an event happens, Then I can go in and drop a message around here have have you seen this? You know, is this something that we need to look out for? What do you guys think about this? You know, so that's probably another thing we look at. Another what I do as well is I have a look at the events for the week or the month and I'll just basically drop a screen dump and I'll send it to the supervisors and say, Guys, here's what's happened for the month. You know, this would be great conversations to have in your in your the team meetings. You know, if you've got any questions, ask me. Just to get them curious to go
0: and have a look at them, really. Right. Now that's that's super interesting because that that's I think that's the next step for a lot of organizations trying to figure out how to share it. Um, I've seen some that have gotten almost almost uh, frozen in place because they're so focused on sharing it they don't they don't get started. And I'm like, you can figure that out later. Let's just let's just start learning Teams and then you can figure out how to share it. So most of them that start down that path, uh, th- then they then they're like, okay, we, we we get what you're saying now. Um, what I've seen it quite a bit of is it seems like when organizations start doing learning teams, they kind of catch on really quick to how amazing of a tool it is Mm -hmm. to where they almost want to do learning teams for everything. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you, how do you temper that to doing learning teams around the stuff that's important or do you, or do you encourage it to just happen around anything?
2: we, um, Yeah. So that's exactly what happened here is the learning team approach was so, so well appreciated and liked that we had, the corporate world calling us and saying can you come and do a learning team on this IT project that we're running at the moment because we want to learn from that project that went really well and help right. the ones that are failing at the moment so um so we did we were having um we had quite a few inquiries to to bring the approach outside of the field back back into the head office uh which was quite quite nice to to have that but then it was sort of a a struggle to kind of, for our capacity to be able to do that also. So we've sort of trained a few of the other people in our um, HR space as well to be able to, uh, I guess, facilitate learning teams in in our normal work outside of the field also. So it's kind of, it's been really well received. The area of opportunity still is how do we maintain good, continual improvement, change opportunities that are driven by the operations and not by us.
1: Yeah, post-job reviews yeah. is really what I, I... I've done a couple with the guys, but I, don't, I just don't think that they see it as, like, a good learning. They've, they've done the job, right? So they're like, oh, yeah, we've done it. You know, we just got on with it. Yeah. So I try and encourage them to say, you did get on with it, but this would be a brilliant opportunity to share this with the other teams, you know, and celebrate successful work. You know, you've done some massive projects, you know, let's
0: celebrate it, that you were able to do it successfully. Right, right. One thing uh, that we touched on a little bit uh, at the beginning was we were talking around reporting going up and a little bit into the trust space or honest space. Um, for folks that are out there listening, what would you say are some of the larger things that you guys did or would recommend folks doing in around growing an, an an environment in which honesty is possible because I think that's a hard place for a lot of organizations that that they find themselves in, especially as they transition from uh, traditional safety kind of into the new view or kind of embracing the hot principles. It's a really tough spot because, and we even touched on it, there's a lot of, folklore that kind of remains in an organization after the fact, employees rarely forgiven. They never forget. We're, we're talking about the stick. We're all, they're all kind of braced waiting for the stick to come back out or something, you know, the, the, not so great stuff to happen. So how do you grow that environment in which reporting is possible? Honesty is, is possible.
2: So once again, it, it took, it took time, but it literally was just a series of, Instances, um, error, like errors that were made, but just examples like, um, like how we used to, we used to issue disciplinary letters for speeding fines that came in. So people knew that they were going to get a disciplinary letter. We, we stopped, we stopped that. So people would still be speeding on the odd occasion, but that, that punishment was removed. Um, right. you know, we had quite a few examples with jobs where the the swims weren't followed, you know, to, to the T and in the previous world that would comfortably sit, you know, in a first and first and final or a, or even a, a formal written morning. So it would took just lots and lots of new stories to replace the old stories, but the old stories of punishment have a lot more weight to them than a new story mm-hmm. of no punishment. So It's taken a lot of time to generate for the guys to generate this chat that how they've received these learning teams. So they come in and participate in them and they actually go out and tell their friends back out of sight what it was like. So that generating of stories between field member to field member um, helped to reinforce the fact that well, there's been quite a few of these now and they still haven't brought the stick out. So maybe this is an actual thing that they're sort of being truthful on. Mm-hmm. So it just took honestly about 18 months of continual no stick showing. And mm-hmm. uh, ev- eventually, you know, those stories started circulating about the experiences they had in being able to share their, their stories of complexity and a lack of resources or, um, a really horrible shift they were on when they were fatigued and you know they were able to sort of talk about things openly. So it, it we we are we have that trust now. Like we've we're we've absolutely repaired that but it took it took a lot longer than we expected.
1: You and myself and other guys are really acting on tight. You know, like we will go in and have lunch with the guys, you know, we'll go and sit in and you know sit in and their meetings and you know We'll we'll talk to them and, you know, we won't talk to them about safety. You know, we'll chat to them about anything other than safety, really. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and just shoot the breeze and just build those relationships. So um, I think that's been really important. You know, like say, we're actually welcome on site now, whereas maybe historically that probably wasn't the case. Hmm. You know?
0: Now, I think that relationship piece of it is is super critical. I challenge leaders with that all the time. Of You know, their first instinct is when they walk onto a site or walk onto a location is to go boom, 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 right into work. And I'm like, I challenge you for the first 10 minutes at least. And when you walk onto a job site is to talk about anything other than work, anything other than work. How are the kids? What are you doing this weekend? I don't care. Talk about anything other than work because I think you're really onto something there. You build those relationships and people start to understand that, okay, everybody here is still just people. Right, we care about each other. We we care about those relationships, and it makes it a whole lot easier to have those conversations. It seems like. What did I tell you? Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. Right. It's pretty pretty awesome. Awesome podcast. Right. Pretty amazing. These guys are full of wisdom when it comes to implementing. Hop Safety Differently, whatever you want to call it. They're just doing amazing things at their organization. So again, there's a part two coming out. You'll see that real, real soon uh, if I had to guess. So make sure you tune into that. Do me a favor, head over to the website www.thehopnerd.com Check out Hop University. That's H-O-P University for all kinds of live webinars and pre-recorded classes and all kinds of stuff. It's a really cool resource in this weird and wacky time that we're in. That's all I've got. Until next time, it is Sam Goodman, The Hop Nerd, signing off. Bye, everybody. Bye.